Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Uh, right, where to begin? Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We're going to have loads of energy. Murph is on sparkling form this week after a rest of two weeks. Um, and, uh, and Dan Killick is, um, yeah, absolutely raring to go. And I'm bringing my newfound optimism to this podcast as well. So uh, don't worry about the... Uh, the small matter of Wales taking a hammering in Dublin, or the ten years of neglect to the club scene, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you through this one. Uh, evening, gents. How are we doing? You Dan? <laughs> oh, Murph, throwing the <laughs> throwing the missed pass already. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, Jed. Fantastic. Um, here's the optimism. Really looking forward to next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Can we move on to next year? No, oh. I'm good, thanks. And uh, how about you, Murph? Yeah, I, I'm coming to terms with everything. You know, um, we've had, you know, we've had. It's a classic kind of Welsh rugby where um, it's never as bad as people make out after a bad defeat and it's equally it's never as good as people make out when we won a grand slam well actually we don't really get carried away with grand slams anymore because we've done a fair few and we know we can easily we know from experience it can fall apart again quite quickly so um yeah trying to i'm trying to keep perspective is what i'm trying to say oh fair enough well uh, i like that yeah uh, well let's try let's try and keep that as a, as a bit of a theme because look, it was not pretty yesterday whatsoever and obviously there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom around. I think, yeah, that's, that's all we can do, isn't it? Apply a bit of um, a bit of balance and a bit of perspective, and we'll see how uh, we'll see how we get on. If you're talking me I down from the I ledge by doing... the end of the show, <laughs> I won't be doing perspective when it comes to Jackal Piper, right? Uh, that's you know, there's no 
There's no sugar coating that. Would you like to start with Jacko Piper before we get into the <laughs> Wales performance? Um, yeah, I, well, I, I go, go go for it. Shoot. Well, as we know from Twitter yesterday, uh, and you caught me out on my hmm. <laughs> on on what time I actually started to ask the question, because obviously we know uh, me and everyone else here and listening is a one-eyed Welsh supporter. So. Bitter. And like I've said before, most of my support of rugby boils down to, um, to cheering on my team and asking and wondering why the referee isn't penalising everything the opposition do it. Mm. You, know, you know, I'm I'm aware that I'm a, 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 a one-eyed fucker when it comes to that. But so I've, I asked the question at halftime, which I didn't realise was three three o'clock. I forgot it started at two fifteen. Mm. I'm trapped in the every every game kicking off at the same time on a Saturday kind of yeah. era. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so I asked, is it just me? And um, Dan didn't know what I was on about. So then I was starting to wonder, but then later Yestin came in and said, uh, no, he is awful. And I, what I meant was, is it just me and the ref? Um, yeah. And uh, as time's gone on over the last 24 hours, some various clips have surfaced and it's been, become more and more evident that it wasn't just me. It was almost everyone. Um and it was a. Uh, again, we, we've been here before where we've said the referee is bloody awful, but it, it it wouldn't have made any difference to the result, like it wouldn't have done it against New Zealand. But um, it feels like, uh, aside from Australia, the Australia fans weren't happy with the game week when we won. It was a big decision, two big yeah. decisions that went against them there. But yesterday was just relentlessly. One-sided at the breakdown, it felt like to me. Yeah, and but that, that's not the first game I've seen in Dublin by a side wearing green or blue, um, mm. where officials are just completely blind to people flying in like Superman into rucks. Um, like I said, yeah. like I said to you, actually, if I'm honest, it was only when you mentioned it that I was, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Mm. <laughs> um, there well, has been because me- yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think my eye was just drawn to the fact that they were tearing us apart out white. It, it, the thing for me that was so bad was just how easy they were slicing through. Um, they were slicing through us in the back line, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But yeah, it was... I, I just think that that is something, you know, like you say, it's had no impact on the result. We were going to we were going to take a hiding regardless. But it is something that's dangerous and makes for crap games and should be looked at a lot closer. You can see when someone's flying in off their feet and it just needs to be, it just needs to be refereed better. Well, sides like New Zealand and Ireland and sides that are very effective at the breakdown like that get away with more because yeah. they do it at such high speed and such intensity that it's, it's a blur. I mean, you know, even watching it uh, uh, in playback, you're like, oh, yeah, mm. oh, yeah, look at that, <laughs> you know, and they get away with it because of, the, like I just said, the intensity they play with. And um, uh, Wales, on the other hand, <laughs> get away with nothing because it's ponderous and... Yeah. Uh, naive and uh, uh, yeah, there's another word, timid. Yeah, is yeah, what yeah, I'd like yeah. to say. I, n- no one looks like they're gonna kill the first guy that, that uh, jackals over the ball. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, you're not allowed to do that, obviously, but no. you know what I mean. No I thought, one looks yeah. like they're gonna blast a massive hole in the pitch trying to get the ruck cleaned on, no. on the Welsh side. I thought, I thought the only in that regard, I mean, look, very few Welsh players came out of this with any. Great credit. I think obviously Basham is the one that, that springs to mind for mm. lots of effort, and um, and you know I, I thought he, he did himself a um, 
again, putting another big performance. Rollins was the other one I thought in the pack who um, acquitted himself. He was the only one really that, yeah, that was kind of bringing a bit of intensity to ruck time. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Timid was the is probably the word for it. Yeah. We, um, Dan, anything to to add on the ref before we get stuck into uh, into listeners' questions? Yeah, well, I, the refs had form for for poor, you know, poor refereeing performances before, isn't he? And you can't go fifty fifty three minutes, wasn't it, before he gave us before he gave us anything, which is absolutely astonishing. And I know you mentioned that it wouldn't have changed wouldn't have changed the outcome, but it, it and it, for me. The, when when they're not ref, when Ireland aren't ref and New Zealand aren't ref, it has a monumental impact yeah. on the game. And mm-hmm. it's well, like it's like yeah, it's like working for for you know for a manager, isn't it? That really doesn't really doesn't understand you. Get you and gives every single decision against you. You know you'll take three, four, five, six if you're resilient. But when it starts getting into the higher numbers, you, your head goes, your head drops. And you know we you could see it out there. We 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 were. We, we weren't at the... Um, I don't think we were at the races to start with, to be fair, at all. But we were completely gone when we were lost. And the ref, it's just such a shame when that happens. Um, he, he had a... For me, he had a, a really, really piss-poor performance. The, Awful. The, the first 20 minutes looked like uh, a captain's run for Ireland, where the Welsh team were basically Irish squad players told not to get in the way too much because they are going to go through their moves. That's what it looked like for the first 20 minutes. Um, and like I agree with Dan, it, what what it did, the way it was refereed, if it had been refereed vaguely cloaked properly, it would have kept it more competitive. We would have been in in the tussle more because we just weren't in it. Yeah, especially when we'd have got a foothold at least. Obviously, yeah. n- n- not to the point where we'd have been uh, uh, in, in the game, but mm. we'd have been involved in the game if we'd been given some of these uh, decisions. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So for me, he had a he had a he had a poor game. But um, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get on to our performance. It was uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with you on that. Let's let's move on. Let's have a look at uh, yeah. let's have a look at the Wales performance. This question has come in from uh, um, just says DYFP. Don't know what that stands for. Um, but thanks for the question. It says after yesterday's abject performance and Italy's spirited game today, are we genuine contenders for the wooden spoon? Dan. No, I, I can't see us. Um, look, I think I think, as Murph pointed out when we, you know, at the very start there, that it was a it was a poor performance from Wales. We've seen this. We see we we've seen poor performances before, haven't we? And uh, outside of the referee, the most disappointing thing for me was that we just didn't we we didn't have the physicality. We 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 fell off everything. And you know, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Basham, you know, Basham made you know a lot of tackles and. You know, was our most effective carrier, but there wasn't. There still wasn't a huge amount going on, and I, I agree with you. Roland's played played pretty well, but it was still pretty ineffective, really, because they were on their own. They were in ones, and we just we just didn't have anyone that had that um, that real fight, and I suppose you know, dogging them really to bring to bring Yeston into it. Um, that you know that they seemed to have all over all over the park. And we just looked scared. We looked mm. afraid. And you can't be like that against them. We've shown before with, you know, lots of the same types of guys that we can, we can match them physically, but we have to be up for it from the very off. And we, and we, we, we weren't, were we? We weren't at all. But I still think that 
we're uh, we're a better side. We're a bet certainly a far better side than we looked yesterday. But we um, we we need to front up front up physically. We need to make a couple of changes as well. And um, I I can't see us losing to Italy. How much of a difference does it make not having Alan Wynne Jones, Ken Owens, Tipperick, Navidi, those players who are not only she bring huge experience with them, but are also you know battled hard and warriors in the yeah in the pack how much how much of a difference do you think that would have made yesterday yeah i think it makes a massive a massive difference doesn't it i mean i i remember after the after the game i had a chat with my dad and we were just saying you know what would we do for navidi to be in there you know and then you move on to the other you know then you move on to the other players as well but navidi stands out yeah well yeah i mean keno into hooker then for instance i think is you know the, the, the hooker position for us is a we were struggling at, I think, mm. in terms of, you know, set piece. Then that whole, the whole sort of, sort of spine of the side, I think, you know, feeds back through. And we look, we just don't look, um, we don't look as if we're going to do a job on anyone. We look as if, we look so sort of, um, almost like calm. And I know you can't, you can't go throwing punches and, you know, leveling someone and everything else, but you, you've got to have the fight in you. You, you've really got to. And I think we were completely intimidated. And there was there didn't seem to be anyone that was going to really stand up and take it to him. Mm. Um, like, say, you know, an, an Armani character, who's an absolute, you know, nuisance, yeah. isn't he? I know he is. He's got to, you know, do it. You know, he'd like to go down a dark alley with you, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd, he'd send a few through. But we haven't got anybody like that. I just think we were crying out for that. Not that Ken is that type of guy, but he, he does it in a different way, doesn't he? You know, Alan Wynne Jones isn't a fighter, but he brings it. Um, and uh, for me, we we massively lacked leadership and physicality yesterday. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Murph. Uh, thoughts on you know is a is a wooden spoon one of these things that's just uh, us blowing things out of proportion, or is that a realistic scenario um, come the final day? I think if we keep picking this side, it's a possibility. Because uh, Italy defended really stoutly uh, today against France, mm. and I can imagine with the kind of uh, what shapeless, aimless kind of attack we got going at the moment, they could just swallow that up all day, and we'd end up, I suppose, in a kicking duel with them, and then you can lose. Mm. Um, you know, France obviously had the weapons to break them down, but at the moment we don't look like. Obviously, like I say, it's. it's, it's it's one game and it's tempting to write off everything about us, but I don't, um, I don't think it is one game. If I'm honest, I think you've, oh, no, got, you no, know, no. you've got to look back at the autumn and say, this is a continuation of it. Yeah, sure. Um, sure, sure. And you know, when you, when you're not at home, like we were for the, all of the autumn and you know, hammered by New Zealand, admittedly, you know, without loads of players lost mm. to South Africa, fair play, a bit of an arm wrestle game. Wasn't that bad. Yes, beat Australia, but again with a massive slice of fortune. And then the Six mm. Nations, as I've said, it's like, you know, like the Six Nations last year, I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a run of games where you get that level of luck. <laughs> it's no wonder Jaco Piper didn't give us a penalty for 60 bloody minutes. He's probably like, mm. these bastards have had every every decision for a year. Like, we're trying to level <laughs> yeah. it out. <laughs> That's well, brilliant. You, well, you, you, you say that, but those red cards were all red cards. Yes, no, you're right. You're, ab- yeah. no, you're uh, absolutely and, right. And, this, uh, and you. Um, you know, um, well, we're doing going over the old ground there, but I think since the people 
people who were supporting the opposition would say that we were favoured with those games. But if you smash someone in the face, you're going to get a red card, and there's nothing Wales can do about that. All the no. ref, you're just going off. And then we, as we know, we've laboured past 14 men really well. Yeah. And then, and then I think in the autumn, we didn't get any favours in. Uh, definitely not in the New Zealand game. South Africa was much of a match as we did. Uh, Austra- some Australian fans were not happy with the way they were refed. But I well, that, that, Nick, that Nick Tompkins it. one was a freak as well, where it was quite yeah. obviously a knock-on. Um, mm. But you know, how, how often then, do you? Oh, wait, anyway, we're going over old ground. You're right. But yeah, yeah. And, and then we and then we and then we got totally mugged yesterday. So uh, I don't know if the apps uh, maybe. I'm, reading too much into it, but the absence of Warren Gatland from our setup now means we are more prone to um, get decisions against us because uh, we're uh, effectively like a second-rate country half the time. Uh, and just going back over what you were saying at the start of this question about the players who were missing and the ones who could come back and, um, you know, and uh, they would clearly make a massive difference to the side. Almost all of them, I believe, apart from George North, are over 30 Mm. All yeah, those players injured, mm. and in two seasons, this side that got stuffed yesterday could be the, the first round side, the, the, the first choice side. Um, so, you know, uh, unless all of them, well, all the boys who are just thirty, go on and do an Alan Wynn and play to their 35, 36, but not everyone is capable of doing that. So, um, well, there was yeah, an interesting it, one. Uh, the, the other week, Tom Shanklin put out a tweet that said, you know, struggling to see where the next crop of international class Welsh players are coming from. And, uh, you know, he's roundly kind of vilified for it. Mm. Um, what do you think, Dan? Do you think, you know, that, that there's a crop of players here to work with who are going to be, you know, the next set of exciting players? Or, the, uh, you know, is the, is the talent coming through not good enough? Oh, yeah, I think that's... I think that we just we, we were so, we were exceptionally poor yesterday. You know, there's no doubt that those those players that were playing yesterday can, in the pack can play better. They just can. They're, they're better than that. Um, and we, you know, we just we just fell we fell off everything. And and for whatever reason, our heads just didn't seem in it. You all, you could you could sense it. I thought within almost before the whistle, well before the whistle even gone off, before the kickoff, we didn't we didn't look. You know, we didn't look with it. We didn't look happy. You know, you can you compare our sort of um, our makeup and the way we were holding ourselves compared to the Scots. Totally different. Totally different. Um, so there, there, there's some decent players still in that still in that Welsh pack, absolutely. And but it just did not it just did not function yesterday at all. No. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely right. While we're talking about. Um... Uh, about kind of refereeing and the, and the presence that, that Gatlin may or may not have had. This question is from Dan, so I'm going to give it to Dan, and it's about Dan. Uh, did Dan, presumably bigger, speak to the ref less than when he was captain? Sorry, less than when he wasn't captain. Yeah, I think he did speak to the speak to the ref less, didn't he? Um, yesterday. I mean, he's usually. You know, he's, he's kind of always a captain on the pitch, isn't he? Mm. Talking, you know, talking away, leading, quite often leading, maybe more than, maybe more than anyone else verbally, for sure. But yeah, he was, um, he was a bit quiet yesterday, wasn't he? But it was mentioned quite a bit before. You know, there was a bit of talk, wasn't there, with um, Sexton? You know, how how they were, they both have to, you know, cool themselves and keep it calm and everything else. Mm. And um, 
he did he did just that. Maybe he listened to himself a little bit too much. Maybe. I I, I think he probably just too busy. I mean, mm. he was defending all the time, uh, and also you can't you know get in any slanging matches or chops off when it's completely one sided. You know, there's no opportunity for him yeah. to get into a, an argument with Sexton or Peter Omani because all you really do is point at the scoreboard. You know, there's mm. nothing to argue over. And uh, like I say, they were coming down his channel a lot. So um, I imagine he was too busy to get. I, I mean, someone someone should have been asking Jacko about side entry at the ruck. I hope someone yeah. was. Someone in the side must have said, by the way, I've been wiped up, wiped out from the side three or four times already, ref. Any chance of you having a look? But uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, like there's so many. Uh, experienced players stripped out the side at the moment, and maybe none of the forwards were even Ellis Jenkins. I hope would would have said something. We we, mm. we don't know, obviously, but um, if someone was making it just a polite inquiry, at least to uh, my mate Jacko. <laughs> yeah, I think when when you know um, some of those like that that side entry, there was there was a good few there was a good few other side entries as well. To be fair, when they're when they're so clear to the players. And they're not being picked up as well as all the other bits and bobs. I think I know they're professional and everything like that, but I do. It, it's bound to affect you, isn't it? Mentally, your head's your head your head's bound to drop and think, "Hang on, we we can't we can't get anything here." And mm-hmm. and and there, there's been one of the most illegal thing, you know, clearly <laughs> yeah, to well, everyone. <laughs> if anyone's not aware that the, the clip that we're talking about is something posted by Ricky Harris on Twitter, I don't know if anyone. Or everyone follows him. I don't actually, but uh, his tweet's gone. It's been quote tweeted 107 times because it's just so bizarre. And uh, there's there's three Welsh players trying to jackal the ball, and uh, uh, Irish. I think it's Ryan Baird. I'm not sure. Just yeah. uh, might be Jack Conan. Just comes flying over like as if he's doing a pylon in school uh, from the side. Blasts them all out, and the ref just. Waves on like as if nothing, nothing's up, nothing wrong has happened. I don't know. Just so we're, we're everyone listening is on the same page. That's the re- only reason I'm going over that. Yeah, I, uh, we'll we'll make sure we uh, we give it a retweet after this as well. Because yeah, it does it does kind of um, yeah, it does show the. I mean, that's that's always your biggest fear going to Dublin. Is like if it's ref like that, the Irish do it better. I'd say they do it better than New Zealand. They you know they they fly in. Yeah. And um, and do it in a way that like you like you, you put the nail on the head, Murph. It's a blur. They just they there's a massive blur. The ball pops out the back, and they've got a front foot ball to work with, and and they just tear you apart. But with that in mind, um, I want to bring you on to this one. Um, oh, I've got some funny names to deal with uh, tonight. This one's from Giving Up the Gun, um, and it says, "How drunk was Pivak when selecting Adams at 13? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna throw this. To, I'm gonna throw this to you, Murph. Um, yeah. It was the biggest, the biggest kind of talking point of selection going into it. Um, what was he thinking? Well, I, I think I said to you two that he, he, doing that to Josh Adams, he turned a dead, a deadly, like a top quality, top try scorer at the last World Cup, and that's or joint top try scorer, yeah. unless I'm mistaken, top quality winger like a lethal finisher into an average outside center. That's mm-hmm. what, by doing that, that's what you do. Um, and the only justification can be because he doesn't rate any of the outside centers in the country. So if you, if you agree with him, you know, that there aren't any 13s in Wales at the moment that can cut the mustard, then it's not a problem. But if you disagree, then it's a stupid idea. Killick? Yeah, I think he, he, he definitely have had a couple too many sherbets 
um, in uh, in, a, in a in a local pub somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't like the you know I didn't like the the idea of it beforehand. I've got to say though that I was one of those that initially. And I think I know Jed. I think you were with me on this as well, Murph. I'm not. I'm not sure, but that that was against. You know, couldn't quite see George North slotting in in the centre. To be yeah, fair, yeah, I, I was. Mm. I was of that opinion. You know, yeah. I couldn't be um, more wrong. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, be more wrong. I, absolutely, and had to have. Yeah, had to hold my hands and go. God, you know, so wrong. Um, but a lot of us were wrong, weren't we? He proved. You know, he proved so many wrong. Um, and now you, you know, you look at it. And obviously, you can you can see it. But Adams, like I, I. <laughs> With North, I could sort of get it in terms of his size and the way you'd get an offload and something like that. But yeah, I, I just didn't think we needed to do it. That was the most no, that was didn't. the most frustrating thing. We we have, you know, we have centres. We have a centre that's played in big games, got a lot of experience. He's clearly not rated, but yeah, he's in the squad. And it, it was a it was a baffling decision. I, I I'm not saying that he won't make. You know, maybe he'll make it as a thirteen. But on yesterday's performance, he he. He struggled, didn't he? They they targeted him and they got they got a lot from it. Well, if you look at that Irish back line and you've got Sexton, Aki and Ringrose as that 10, 12, 13 axis, so settled, know each other really well. Um, you know, you've got the option of, of Aki to be physical. You've got Ringrose to show that guile and pace. And I think they must have just been licking their lips when they looked at when they looked at our um at our equivalent, you know. Tompkins put in a big shift yesterday defensively. I think he made lots of tackles. Um, yeah, he you know, did. To, to be fair, but if you look at the, the positioning of everyone across that back line, it was just so fragmented. And all that stuff comes down, you know, it, it's always led by 13, isn't it? It's that it's that one, but that's why John Fox is so good at it um, because his defensive reads are so good that the rest of the line can play off him. And when you've got a guy doing that in Dublin who's barely played any rugby at 13, um, you're, you know, you've got a massive ask, and then you've got McNichol on the wing, who's you know re- not really renowned for his defending either. It, it was always going to be a really, really tough, um, tough ask, and you know Ireland showed it repeatedly. It was just they had so many options, um, and just cut, cut yeah. to shreds. And that I think it was a quick ball. You know, it was it was a recipe for disaster. It was, yeah. It was too. It was unfair. I say it was unfair on on Josh Adams to be put in the centre uh, when you. Quite rightly, when you said you mentioned McNichol, McNichol is is not renowned for his defending at all, and, and it showed yesterday. And and then you've got um, uh, Louis Rees-Samet as well, which mm. you know, is is massively inexperienced, just just you know due to due to his age and everything else. Then you've got Liam, who hasn't played much rugby. So we, you know, it was they were, you know, they quite rightly targeted the thirteen. It's a really difficult position to play, isn't it? And they, it, it, it was all, it was pretty embarrassing that the, the level of ease that they, they were doing the loops and it, it kind of looked comical at times. Um, but it was, but it was, it was unfair. I'd say it was unfair on him. Yeah, absolutely agree. Right. We've got loads more to get through and, uh, we're going to take a quick break in a moment, but in the second half, we're going to carry on with the questions from the listeners. We're also going to take a look at cheerio matters as, uh, Scotland beat England at Edinburgh so all of that to come in the second half but first we're going to take this quick break
Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Still loads and loads to get through. Hopefully, it's uh, it's not been not been too depressing uh, so far. We're trying to uh, not that we're trying to gloss over things, but yeah, trying to uh, trying to pick out any positives where there uh, where there might be. And as I say. Uh, at some point, we're going to talk about Scotland beating England, so that'll, that'll give everyone a massive, uh, a massive shot in the arm. Uh, but this is an interesting one. While we're trying to apply a bit of balance and a bit of perspective, uh, this has come from uh, from Gareth Davis, and it says, "Should we really be blaming the WRU hotel for yesterday, or just face up to the fact that last year we got lucky, and this year we've got a lot of players missing, and we're still a work in progress?" Um, <laughs> Right, who wants to who wants to feel that one? Oh, Dan Dan's got a really pained look, so I'm going straight to him. Technical difficulties here, technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> oh well, I think a lot of people have probably been waiting for or seeing this type of this type of uh, result coming for a while. We haven't looked great, have we, for a while? And um, but we've got. You know, we got some wins and a lot of people have said it's paper over the cracks, isn't it? I mean, the clubs have been the clubs have been left, haven't they? Hang out to dry. And is it affecting our you know, is it affecting our uh, our, our players at the top? It has to, doesn't it? it? Has to has to has to affect them. So yeah, I think we can we can probably lay some blame at the doors of the uh you know, the hotel and um, the, what is it? The walk, the, mm. what's the, what is it? There's some sort of uh, walkway roof walk, the top, roof walk. The roof walk, yeah. Mm. Um, those sorts of things when, you know, the, then the gate, we're in such a precarious position, aren't we? So, yeah, it's probably, probably something in it, but if we go down that route, we're definitely not going to bring the positivity. Well, <laughs> no, no, I mean, but let's, let's bring, let's, let's bring it, the realism, you know. Yeah, um, it's needed to talk about, the fact, yeah. to be fair. Well, it, um, some people are saying, uh, I can't remember, I, I won't quote because I can't remember exactly who it is, but some people are saying that this situation has been more than a decade in the making caused by underinvestment or whatever, or, or uh, not underinvestment, that might be the wrong word, uh, incorrect running of the professional game in in Wales, yeah. so this problem has been coming as it is, yeah. and kind of Gatland has been papering over the cracks with uh, getting uh, putting a good side together on a regular basis. Um, and like you said about the WIU hotel, the background on that apparently is the big payout from CVC buying into the Six Nations or one of the leagues or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. None of that was passed on to the professional game. Um, but it was spent on converting an old post office into a nice yeah. hotel on Westgate Street, which allegedly, I don't know if it's true, allegedly is not even sold out next week. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, I heard if that. You're gonna, yeah. If you're going to build a hotel, you've got to sell it out around your market yeah. again. So it yeah. brings, you know, the... the... It might be because they priced it too high. I don't know. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, but um... either, either way, if you're going to build a hotel, you've got to have people in it in order for it to make money. And yeah, yeah. and this is this is it. You know, if you're going to invest that money in something that is bricks and mortar rather than um, rather than the game itself, um, then I think- well, it goes it, it goes deeper than that because um, the pandemic situation resulted yeah. in a big ma- a massive loan being taken out, twenty million pound, I think. Yeah. And rather than soak it up as a yeah, governing body, they passed it passed it on to the to the four regions. So that that goes 
deeper then because uh, I, I I think it was Guad Gualad rugby. Yeah, yeah I, yes. I've read the yeah. article. It's, I, it's yeah. well worth a read. Yeah, yeah it's a good article, uh, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and um, there other point was I forget now something to do beyond the twenty the twenty million pound being passed on to the regions. Uh, you'll have to, I'll, have to, <laughs> I'll have to gloss over. I can't remember. What the, it was a really good point in there somewhere. If you all read it. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you do want some insight, yeah, we'll uh, we'll retweet we'll retweet the article mm. as well. So, uh, so it's come back to me. It's come back to me. Professional rugby. Yeah, thanks very much. I had a swig of San Miguel and it all came back to me. Um, <laughs> the point about the professional game in rugby is effectively run by the WIU yes, committee. I, yeah. So tiny little village clubs, uh, or, or my club. My club mm. shouldn't be involved in. Uh, run my club and a championship club they shouldn't have any say in professional yeah. rugby it should be run as a separate body and anyway so my club all the way down to tiny little village clubs get a vote and a say on what happens to the professional game and and, and then we end up with retired geography teachers as mm. not, uh, he might be bloody brilliant I don't know but is he the right guy to be running uh, the cha- as chairman of the WIU with um, say over how the professional game in Wales works when uh, I've met him and he is a nice guy when he is just the teacher mm. uh, and not qualified um, the previous guy seemed to be qualified Gareth Davis so they kicked him out mm. so um, the, the member clubs by the way <laughs> kicked him out because they're community clubs and they've got no idea about professional rugby so um, that's that's how that's how deep Welsh people look into the game when they get beat. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that is true. But um, yeah, I mean, look, that's, that's it though, isn't it? As I, th- I think there's no denying that the whole narrative was set up, not narrative was set up, but you could draw that conclusion going into this because of the continued poor performance, uh, you know, by the regions in Europe. And we're going, you know, we're talking the best part of, you know, that, that Scarlet's run aside, there's not been a good run in Europe since, you know, since Cardiff were in the semi-finals, was there? You know, so you got two semi-final appearances in the in the best part of a decade. Other than that, the sides have have hardly got out of the group. So I'm sure I've forgotten something there. But it's you know we know that that's how how badly performed it is. And at some point, it was going to happen that the national side would start underperforming and uh, or not underperforming, but yeah, refusing to paper over the the cracks and. And that is that is where we're at now because even under Gatlin, we very rarely took a proper hammering. You know, that's that's the thing is it wasn't always perfect, but we didn't always take a hammering. And the, and this is it. I think the the two things are linked, but they're also kind of separate. If you see what I mean, if you'd appointed a, a qualified head coach who made better selections, would we have made a better fist of it yesterday? I think we probably would have. Um, but it's not all his fault, and uh, the injuries have an impact. And we've got to face facts that the game is run incredibly poorly at a professional level across the country. And, and so look, I think all these, all these things are, are linked and we've said it a million times before. It's like, um, you know, it's like an inverted pyramid in Wales. You know, you've got the, 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 the money, the money at the top of the game is, is with the national side. And as it goes down, there's less and less and less and less and less money and less players. It's not a healthy, it's not a healthy, um, situation to be in and at some point when those cracks start to appear things start to things start to tumble so you know whether or not anything's going to get done about it I think is a, is a completely different question 
Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, but I don't think it, it seems to be consensus everywhere except the WRU now mm. that the regions need to be better funded. Yeah. And that is because where did the WRU, i.e., the national team, get their players from? They get them from the mm. regions. And the regions are constantly up against teams, even Italy, even Zebra and Benetton and all the other clubs they play against on it on any competition who are better funded than they are. So yeah. I think I think we were everyone in rugby knows they just need the WI need need to get their hands in their pockets when it comes to the regions. But the trouble is is professional teams and regional teams or whatever club. Uh, playing in the highest level are massive money black holes. You can mm. put any amount of money in, any amount, but they've got to do something. Blimey. Right. There's no, um, yeah, there's no sugar coating that one though, is there? But um, <laughs> right. Let's take, let's take one more um, before we have a look at what changes we'd make um, to the side for next week. <laughs> while we're talking about papering over the cracks. Uh, this one's from Paddy Gilling. It says, how worried were you by the lack of shots fired in attack? Pivak and Jones are meant to bring more of a focus on attack, but if anything, it seems like we've gone backwards. Dan, as our resident backs expert. Yeah, well, I mean, the backs were... I don't think the backs could do anything because the the forwards were under, under so much pressure, weren't they? Thomas Williams was... You know, certainly didn't have... Uh, didn't have an easy time, have an easy time of things. The backs had such limited ball. Any ball they had, it was poor. It was, you know, our, we were flat-footed. It, it was going to be mission impossible for us to look to do anything, you know, you know, for us to look to do anything at all, really. When and also because because the set piece, you know, the set piece was was not, you know, uh, didn't function that well. Then at times it functioned all right, but you know, you throw the ref in there as well, so. But you know we did have a couple of we had a couple of opportunities, didn't we? Where we could have we could have done something, and we didn't. And I think you know that's the that's the worry, isn't it? And it's been it's been have we really seen any patterns for a while now that we could say you know that's the way the backs are, are looking to do things? So we can go right. We accept it didn't work, but we're building. We're building something, and we know the way we're going. We're okay then, aren't we? I think we're, we'd all be sort of relatively okay in the knowledge that we can see the pattern that we're trying to build. I, I can't at the moment. Can, can, can you? No. And like I've said before, there's no shame in taking a humping in Dublin. It happens. It happened, you know, what, what, what was last win over there? 2012, we said, right? Um, they've, had, they've had stuffings with all our best players in the pitch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly that. And, and there's kind of no shame in that um, to a degree because we know that happened. But... You know, I look back to when we did this podcast two years ago, Dan. When you were when you were over there, has, mm. anything, has anything moved on in the? Obviously, it's pre-pandemic times, but has anything moved on with the back play since then? No. Um, I just think for me, you know, like I always say, it's like you try and spot the you try and spot the form right and see what what the what sides are really really capable of, and I just think that 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 championship last year was a massive a massive red herring because. Yeah, Murphy, you're right. There were red cards in there, but you know the England game. You very rarely get a slice of fortune as as big as that. Um, and I just don't think we played particularly well in it, with the exception of the with the exception the friend, of the the, the French, French game. game. The game at we lost. Point, yeah, the game we lost. <laughs> and at some point, you're going to have to play against 15 men for 80 yeah. minutes. 
and um and when or 16 happened, men like yesterday or 16 <laughs> men like yesterday and uh yeah and i think that's that's the thing for me i, I don't I haven't seen this side move forward at all under pivac um and it's you know obviously there are there are difficult circumstances but i don't know it's it, it's really it's really really worrying for me at, at the moment i because I, I felt like I, i've not felt optimistic about this side the whole time really uh, what i would say uh, about yesterday we, Going back to the original question, um, it, 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 were it not for uh, Tyburn and Nyland getting overconfident and throwing offloads off the floor in their own 22, we Would wouldn't have, have scored a single yeah. point yesterday because yeah. we mm. didn't look like scoring a single point off our own back in the whole mm. 80 minutes. So take out the fact that Ireland were cruising and throw, like I say, throwing offloads off the floor, we would we in their own 22, we would not have scored a point yesterday, and that and that would have been a fair reflection on our performance if we hadn't mm. scored a single point. So And it could have also been Murphy could have also been 50 50 nil. Yeah, yeah. Could yeah. Could have I, I mean, what was it? Was it 10 nil at half time? Yeah, yeah which was, was 10 nil. It was 10 nil at half time, which was a, I was which is a pretty good result. Yeah. <laughs> it was, well, yeah, well it was 10 nil at half time, you in the I always think anything lower than 12 yeah. you could pull something out of the bag. And 10 nil, you thought, well, you can get back in the game, a couple of penalties, you're only four points adrift. And yeah. and so, yeah, kind of looking looking at it that way. But you just felt like Ireland had not been massively clinical, um, could have had other opportunities to do it, didn't take all the points that were on offer. Sexton had one of his iffy games with the boot. I know the weather was, um, I know the weather wasn't great, but he, you know, it's, it, they didn't put up all those stats you like about predicted goal predictions and all this bullshit. The guy is just a little bit whiffy when it comes to it. Like he, he, he sometimes just has one of the Schneid games with the boot. Um, and I think you know if he just slotted those two sixteen nil, then then these could have got really ugly really really quickly. Um, it, you know he was exemplary other than that in the game. But um, yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's just it, it feels really really messy. To me, and um, and I think yeah, you're right. That that could have been 40, 50 nil yesterday, um, which is which I think would have been probably about a reflection of, of as how badly we that we played. Changes for next week then. <laughs> lots of lots of people have asked us about this. Um, the thing I would say, right, with the new optimistic me, is um, is it does make a big difference playing at home. I think this side feels a lot more uh, a lot more comfortable at home. Oh, it wasn't always, as well. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't always the case, actually. That you know, I think sometimes teams took a real, um, you know, they love coming to the Millennium, don't they? It's one of those those places that people generally like to play, and um, I think that will make a difference next week. And I expect to see us a lot more competitive, um, but. Team selection has got to be right, and I think that was a that was a shocker from Pivot this week. What would you be doing, uh, Dan? What changes would you make? I'd like to see Mike Phillips come in. <laughs> I, it, on on that though, in, in all seriousness, I did think. Again, I was having a chat after the game with my, with my dad, and we were saying now, I don't know whether it's true, but with with Gats, you know, he he loved the players that really believed in themselves, didn't they? And obviously, mm. Mike Phillips was one of those that. Yes, he was a fantastic player, but you know, wasn't an out and out nine really. Was he a nine's nine? You know, a Rob Jones. He was a, you know, he was an abrasive, you know, back row really, wasn't he at nine? But he believed in himself, and and then he carried the team with him. And I did, I couldn't help but think, you know, what would imagine Mike Phillips over there in that, you know, the pissing rain, just really, you know, getting everyone going. And um, 
yeah, so Mike Phillips, please. But yeah, changes changes I would make. Well, I'll tell, make you, a, I'll tell you a player who's got a very similar personality who will be available next week and came off the bench yesterday and you Ross wanted Moriarty. to start him, and that's Ross Moriarty. Um, yeah. You know, a bit of that. A, a bit Six of that. or eight. Uh, it's a good point. I thought Wainwright was poor yesterday. And I, as you know, I'm a massive fan of his, and he, you know, yeah. he did a few things in there. He just look, didn't look... Um, didn't look like he was... I don't know. It's one of those games where he looked... Um, I don't know what the word is. Just just a bit undercooked, you know. Didn't look like he knew the way to get around people. Didn't look like he knew how to, how to make the yards. And um, and that was really frustrating. Um, my, my, my only uh, issue there is size. So yeah, I would like... I would ideally would like... Yeah, so... Um, Moriarty to the six, keep Wainwright just because of size, and then you've got a straight go between Basham and Ellis, and uh, Tane Basham probably wins that at the moment. Um, I, I, I go so far as to say if he if Pivac perseveres with um, Josh Adams at 13, I'd probably wash my hands of the team until until after the next World Cup because you got Owen Watkins and Jonathan Davis. Jonathan mm-hmm. Davis on one leg would have been a better mm-hmm. option yesterday. Yeah. Than Josh Adams, and that's not a slight on Josh Adams. No. I think everyone knows that. Um, yeah, if he doesn't, I, in attack, that it, you know, if you add a platform and you add an attack attacking system and everything in place, then Josh Adams, in, Josh Adams, in theory, is a good option. <laughs> but if you haven't, which we haven't, all we've got is a lot of defending, and then you know, try and w- work our way into the game after we've been battered for half an hour, uh, then. He's not the option. You yeah, know, if, I think. Yeah, I think we need Josh Adams as well. We need his. We need his defensive um, on capabilities the on the wing, don't mm. we? We need yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. We, we we look. You know, uh, I'm, you know, we're not talking about his finishing. Here. We're talking about his defending. He's he's a great he's a great defensive winger, isn't he? Mm. And we just massively weakened ourselves in the in the back three by not having him there because he does a lot. He does a lot, doesn't he, on the swing as well. Just, just, just come in behind. There's a real sort of because Liam can often find himself in a bit of a pickle, positionally. He's no half penny on the positional front, is he? Mm. So, um... <laughs> this is not a vintage period of Liam Williams. He's not in his best form. No, he's, he's not, not having like the whole of the autumn and yesterday in a in a red jersey at least, a uh, Welsh jersey at least. He, um, well, he doesn't play much for the, his club anyway. So, well, he, he, he came, is, he came into not the a, autumn. He he's not affecting games. No, and he came into the autumn having not played since the Lions, if you remember, mm. and having, having had his appendix out. Mm. And then in between then, the Scarlets have barely played a game of rugby themselves. He's featured in a couple of them. And they yeah. come into the Six Nations. And again, this is, this is you know, to go back to that point about papering over the cracks, Gatland was happy to take a squad of players who he knew were international class and beast them and get them ready for, you know, if not for, if not for the very first minute of the first game, to put together a competitive championship out of them. You know, he would mm. take players who'd barely played in the rugby. Sam was one of them. Um, mm. And would get them and get them match ready fitness wise. But, you know, with, with not having that, it becomes very, very difficult to pick a player who, yes, is a, you know, is a great player. And I don't think there are any other options, but you're right. It's not, it's not vintage Liam Williams. And, um, and the fact that he's not playing any rugby doesn't help that. It's so fine as well, isn't it? With the players, because you've got, you know, if Jonathan Davis is, as Merv said, you know, on one leg, we know we know that he's not, you know, he's not the player he was, but he's still he's still got it upstairs, 
and he's got enough about him. So that what Gatland would have, if Gatland's there, he plays him, doesn't he? He play, he's gonna, he would play him until, until both legs go, and even then he's still probably gonna hang on for a bit. So, and it, and it has a knock-on effect across the whole side, doesn't it? Because Gatland quite often have to pick players that weren't uh, match fit, really mm. weren't, you know, were coming back from injury, like Liam, but because he because he knew he got his selection right. It, it just made the game so much easier for everyone around that if they were exposed, they weren't exposed as often as we would. We, we found ourselves yesterday, I think. Um, having Adams in the centre had a, had, a, had a massive effect on on the whole back line, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, um, defensively, look. you know, just having John Fox there for everyone else to work off would have made such a huge difference. Uh, I mean, again, we wouldn't have won the game, but I, I just think that everything about picking Adams at 13 yesterday screamed disaster and mm. I mean whether or not he, he goes with it and sticks to his guns yeah well uh, wait, wait, wait. if he does if, if he does stick to his guns and picks Josh Adams again where, where do you where do you stand with it then because like, I would just say okay this is a hopeless cause now we're going we're just gonna we're just gonna spiral out to, downwards out of control until they change the coach that's what I would say well, I've, I've felt like that since... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, let's just destroy the spring like and the camel's back. I felt like that since, or, since autumn 2020. Um, <laughs> but I also, as you as you remember, had a word with myself during last Six Nations and was just like, cheer the fuck up and start enjoying, <laughs> just start enjoying rugby again. So um, so I'm going to try and make a point of not washing my hands of it, ever washing my hands of the, the side. But I know what you mean. Like, I, I, I feel like that right now is I just think, you know, based on everything that's happened so far it doesn't feel it's not a coaching appointment that makes me feel like we're gonna we're gonna do anything at the next world cup um and right now the six nations is really really strong you know it's um it's at a yeah, position it is, yeah. where where you've got four sides who are better than us i think and um and that's a you know that's that could make for a difficult couple of years is anyone else um, picked up on the body language in the Welsh coaches' box? I look it, at that a lot, actually. Mm. Yeah, um, it, there's a lot of blank expressions, mm. <laughs> like people just, um, you know, so Stephen Jones, uh, um, uh, Gethin Jenkins, and whoever else is in there, just sort of like this. This is a good visual thing, but just blank. <laughs> and then the only one animated in the whole room is Wayne, and they're mm. all just sort of non-committal, giving no opinion saying nothing just there that's what it looks like to the obviously the armchair viewer um it might be totally different if you if you're there and you couldn't hear what's being said but it just looks like everyone is waiting for wayne to react and respond and not giving their own input dan nope He's, oh, he's, just sat, he's just sat there looking blank himself. Yes, Dan, still here, mate. Still here. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I've, yeah, I, I've noticed that. Again, it's very easy to read a lot more into this when you're getting hammered, isn't it? Um, yeah, and, you I know, suppose, same, yeah. same as I remember looking at, you know, that, that black eye that Alan Wynne-Jones had last year and thinking, oh, this isn't right. There's, you know, there's uh, fights in the camp and stuff like that. And mm. the reality is sometimes you can just read a bit too much into this, but... What's happening on the yeah. pitch doesn't reflect well on what's happening in the box. Well, I, I would just like the coaches, whatever coach they are, Jonathan Freeze, Fours, coach, backs, coach, defence, coach, to be more animated. Mm. 
the fact that there's a lack of animation in the box worries me. That's all. Um, and the other point, just wrapping up on this one, is uh, ironically, I thought our best back yesterday was Nick, Nick Tompkins. Yeah. He, he coped with uh, Bandiaki really well. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, um, yeah, and, a fine game. Well, it, yeah, it was it was it was a defensive effort, which I suppose is why uh, played to his strengths, you know. But um, yeah, so what do I know? <laughs> yeah, it's just so different, isn't it? Watching a you know having seen a side that was coached with so much structure defensively under under Sean Edwards, and you know, and you see what he bought brought that to France again today, you know, mm. having gone from that to watching like, it's almost like a schoolboys game of rugby yesterday, watching it defend. And there's some players who were just, you know, like Tompkins, just rolled up sleeves and just made tackle after tackle after tackle. But as a unit, there's no cohesion there whatsoever. And that's the position we found ourselves in yesterday. Um, with that in mind, I'd, I'd drop him for next week. It's really harsh, <laughs> but um, I just—I'm just not sold. I just—I just think that Watkin and John Fox are, would be a better would be a better combination for uh, for next week, or if Willis is fit. So Watkin at twelve, John Fox at thirteen. Uh, yes, or uh, or the other way around. Actually, yeah. Or I, um, no, I'd probably go. I'd probably go Watkin at twelve. Um, but now yeah, we're talking. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think, Dan? What would you be doing in the centres next week? Yeah. I'd... I, I I'd go with walking at twelve. I mean I you know, I think that's well well documented really, but I I wanted Adams to go well in the centre and you, you you know, you have to think that um they must be seeing something because why why would they do it? But I yeah, I definitely go with walking in at in at in at in at twelve. And for me, like you said, as good as as good as Tompkins played, he's on his own there, isn't he? Mm. He was on. He was on his own defending, and I think quite often he he plays a sort of lone rate, like a lone role in that back yeah. line, and like in attack as well. So we've got to look at the combinations, haven't we? We can't have someone that's that's, that's you know played well, so then they hold their they hold their position. It's yeah, combos, yeah. Agree, and we haven't got the combinations right at the moment. So yeah, I think you know John Davison walking isn't is that gives me comfort. It really does, and I think that's you know that's a strong strong centre partnership right there with with Halaholo um on the bench to to you know mix it up when there's a few tired legs out there. Okay, so Josh Adams moves to the wing in the place of McNichol. Yes. Lewis Reesamet who had a uh, had a horrible game yesterday I thought actually as many, as many people did but I, I know he I know he had a lot of strapping on his ankle because of a, an injury in the warm up but he did not look um he did not look comfortable yesterday did he and right from minute 1 getting a getting bumped by Matt Hansen and then um, and then done. It was a really uncomfortable day at the office. But if he's fit, he's he's still he's still on the wing for me. Yeah, I'd keep him in. He did have a tough game, a, a tough outing, didn't he? Did clearly wasn't comfortable at all, and it and it and it showed with with everything. His passing, his running, mm. all of it. So, but I I would keep him there if he's if he's okay. And stick with Liam at fifteen. He doesn't look right, does he? At the moment, but yes, I would I would stick with Liam at fifteen. But he he got through. He, I suppose he got through the game, didn't he? And he's mm. he just hasn't played enough rugby. But he's a, he is a quality player, isn't he? And um, I think that having this the centres, you know, having those a different centre partnership and having Josh Adams in the wing will make it easier for him. It just take a little. It just take that bit of pressure off. It takes pressure off 
I think we feel better, don't we? I mean, we're not it coaches, takes, Craig. It takes, yeah, <laughs> it takes pressure off everyone if you pick players in their actual position. I think, you know, I, I just, yeah. you can't drop someone into a position like that at, at international level. And I know, to pivot to his credit, as we've said, it's what it worked with North. I think, you know, he didn't have his best game yesterday, but I think it's worked with Wayne Wright, and we probably all agree that he is an eight over a six now. Um, but I don't think, you know, that one is that one's going to go down as a as a as a stinking experiment, um, and I'd be very surprised if it gets repeated next week. Um, well, he's very likely to keep faith with Nick Tompkins, though. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. He yeah, he, he regards him as like his best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was more. It's more likely Tompkins will continue at twelve, and then hopefully. Like real fingers crossed job. Hopefully he picks Watkin or or Jonathan Davis at thirteen instead of Josh. Josh moves onto his natural position of wing, and yeah. then it's just a case of uh, Moriarty coming back in somewhere at the back of the back row. And I, I will give him a, a personal stay of execution if he does that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got it on record. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Let's have a chat about the uh, about the other games this weekend. Uh, let's quickly start with Italy, France, or France, Italy today. Pretty comfortable for France, really, but spirited, as we said, from from Italy. Anything, um, anything you made a anything of note in that game, uh, Murph? Um, I don't like um, Cameron Wocky playing in the second row. I think you just lose all the athleticism pace the guy got. And personally, I would have played an out-out second row alongside Wilhelmsa and dropped uh, Dylan Cretin or Dylan Cretin. Cretin. No, I'm Cameron Wocky on the uh, blind side. The thing is that th- their resources now are backing up something. Goes Charles, insane, uh, isn't it? Charles Olivon is going to come back and he's he's, yeah. he's national captain. So that means th- those that amazing... Uh, back five, it's got to, someone's got to make room for him then, and uh, so um, yeah, it, 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 they got an embarrassment of riches, and I don't suppose it really makes any difference who they pick. They're still going to be amazing, but uh, I, I think they're wasting Cameron Wocky putting him in the second row. Yeah, prop, and I also thought he was outstanding today as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, yeah, he's he's a brilliant player. Um, and and yeah, Italy the, uh, people who. Uh, follow rugby closely we know their under 20s has been good for a good couple yeah. of seasons and and it's starting to show on the national side because they they would have got absolutely battered if a side like france faced them a couple of seasons ago that would have been 60 pointer uh, yeah. a few seasons ago so they, they're improving and um like i say if if wales don't improve we will struggle to break them down because their defense is um it's not outstanding but it's good enough to Keep us, <laughs> keep us quiet. And then Scotland winning the Calcutta Cup. How uh, I really enjoyed that as a game. Obviously, not just not just the result. I thought it was a crack. You know, there were errors in it, but it was a really exciting, tense Test match and um, swinging one way then the other. Uh, do you uh, do you catch that one, Dan? I did. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that game. Thought Scotland were they looked really well coached, well drilled. They were disciplined, weren't they? Um, no, I didn't think they were, actually. I thought that's what let them down. Yeah, I thought there's just... That's the one chink in Scotland's armour, I think, is there are times when they get stuck in at the breakdown when they shouldn't. And, you know, there's just times when you can't hold Jamie Ritchie back because he wants to have another little bite at it and, and things like that. I think it was a couple of those penalties that kept England in the game. I mean, I 
it was one of those England performances that I kind of thought everyone was saying that they're playing well, but I didn't, I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were particularly impressive if I'm honest, particularly in the particularly in the in the backs. I thought I thought Scotland marshaled them really really well, and it was only kind of those bits of indiscipline that um, that kept them that kept England in the game. But it was. Uh, yeah, it made for it made for a, for a really tense uh, finish as well. Uh, um, yeah, on the subject of referees, we talked spent a lot of time talking about referees earlier. Um, I thought he bottled the scrum penalties late on. Um, England were pushing, going clearly going forward in the scrum, and there was late mm. uh, three or four pe- uh, scrums at the end. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the then the scrum was going down, and it, it didn't show any replays of the actual. Uh, uh, front rows or anything, but normally the ref's going to penalise Scotland in that situation, and you could have ended up um, twenty all. Which I'm not sure if England would have gone. I'm not sure if they'd have I taken the penalty. They might have gone could, to the corner and done a might have, yeah. done a Chris <laughs> Robshaw. Um, if they if they wanted it to be twenty all, they could have taken. Uh, they could have had a shot at goal with seventy six minutes on the clock when George yeah, Ford that was a strange the most pathetic decision. kick to the to yeah. the twenty two, you know, which mm. didn't Yeah, yeah. Um if you're gonna to go to the corner, you've got to take a good slice off it, haven't you? I mean they in many ways over from twenty two minutes. In, in many ways that referee was worse than um uh Jacko because mm. Yeah, was... I thought he did have a bad on both sides. In the first half I text you and I was like, God, he's all over Scotland here, really harsh. And then yeah. um um and then yeah yeah, yeah, I mean you could you could argue that Marler's boring in there and and stuff like that, but either way, you know he's got to front up and give a penalty either way at some point. Um, and uh, I don't yeah. think he was at fault with the penalty try though. Um, no. What, what, once 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 he's flapped it, it like he's playing uh, volleyball. Yeah. Uh, it's clear that if he doesn't do that, then the ball's going to land in the winger's hands. Yeah. And you got no choice. So um, the way he some... fell was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> right, right, yeah. right on his the coccyx. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I, I for a split second I thought because I didn't see the impact. I thought he was milking it out of embarrassment. Yeah, yes. but he turned because you know it, it was just um, the, the the. I mean, it's gone about ten yards in the air, not quite directly up the pitch. Forwards into touch. Forward into touch. Yeah, you know, uh, and there's, there's, it's got no. The referee's got even a bad one. The ref, he's got no option but to um, give a penalty try. So, if you've done that was, backwards, <laughs> be fine. If you've done the same thing in a backwards direction, the the Joe Marchant who was sweeping around the back would have picked that ball up and been no problem. But obviously, he's facing the wrong way. And he just launched it into touch. It was so strange, Rick. Right? He was obviously like, oh shit. And, and he just completely lost his head. He was all all at sea, wasn't he? Mm. And it, it, he got himself in a horrible position. Quite quite yeah. awkward to get himself into that position. Oh, it's, actually, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rush <laughs> of blood, isn't it? It's a rush. Oh of blood yeah. Because well, if you get, if yeah. you go up and you don't and you don't yeah. get there, or you yes. get up and you knock it forward, it's a slippery day. It was it was Darcy Graham on that wing, was it? He might have knocked yes. it on as yeah. he tried to gather it anyway. And you then you're then back for the penalty, but you don't get a penalty try, and you don't get the you don't get the yellow card. Well, um, that's that's kind of my point because if it just fumbled at catch, I think he gets away with it. I think he, he gets away does. with anything, just a knock yeah. on and a scrum. But the fact that he's gone up and done a volleyball blocking at the net, you know that type of tactic yeah. they do. Uh, if We've all just... seen Top Gun, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if he just tried to catch it, he, he was probably in a position where he couldn't quite get to it. It was just you know. Um, 
but the he option he took, panicked, the option he took, yeah, the option he took left it completely only one outcome, you know. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose that's what, what happens if you leave a hooker out on the wing. Well, yeah, that's it. Let's it was bring great play by week, Russell, though. wasn't it? Just yeah, switching, it was. switching it the was. kicks. Yeah, it was, it was, mm. it was, it was lovely, wasn't it? But yeah, I'm with you, Jed. They, uh, England were, uh, England was, England, England played some some great stuff, but then some really poor stuff, like really poor. Well, um, I, I, d- I did think they might have a meltdown this tournament, uh, just yeah, cause of, just because of Marcus yeah. Smith. It, it's just not their cup of tea. What Swashbuckling Ten is is not. It's just not in their wheelhouse. They don't. They've historically they've never liked it. They'd always rather a controlling 10. And I think with Marcus Smith there, he would, you know, he's quite, he's quite swashbuckling for a Welsh 10. Mm. <laughs> so I can imagine there being some, I don't know, I can see there being more issues in this tournament for England. Well, that back, yeah, well, again, and they're going to, they'll, they'll end up rushing to Alangi back for a game later on. You can guarantee <laughs> it. He came off the bench today, didn't he? And mm. that's the thing is that back, that back line is just like, you, re- you really worry about um, that back line when Tua Lange's in it. And when he's not, I don't think you do. You know, if you look at that, I, I really like the full-back. He didn't have his best game yesterday, Stuart. But I think he's I think he's going to be a really class act. He is a forward. good player, but they didn't use him, did they? No, no and he's, you know, he's a, um, you know, I suppose he's more of a, uh, a defensive, good under the high ball. Yes, he knocked one on yesterday. But I think, you know, I think he's going to be, I think he's a real talent. And Joe Marchant on the wing doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever when you've got Jack Knoll on the bench, who's a proven international winger. Yeah, who was brought on after the game had finished, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then in the centre, you've got Daly, who's not played there for England for a very long time. And obviously, I don't think Eddie particularly fancies him anyway. And then you've got Slade playing inside centre. It all just looked... There was nothing settled about it, was there? So, you know, losing yeah. losing to Alangi and Farrell, they, I don't know, yeah, that, that, that selection was... was a, classic Eddie Jones, well. classic mm. Eddie Jones, isn't it? Keep him, keep him in the seat because he does some such strange things. They were also, they were also kicking away. They were, they were putting in lovely little kicks when they all they needed to do was keep the ball in the hand, and they had they had numbers to use uh, to use Jonathan's words numbers. <laughs> how, how, how wide, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Very odd, very odd from England. Very odd. Let's bring it back to next week's game, though, to wrap up, fellas. We've got, uh, obviously, Scotland and Cardiff next week. Based on what you've seen from the two sides this week, how do you see this one going, Dan? Oh, it's... Uh, I mean, you, 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 the smart money's, smart money's on Scotland, I'd say, isn't it, for, for next week. But I can, see, I can see us getting a win. You know, I can see us getting a win at home. You're going, aren't you, sir? Who gets sent off for Scotland for us to get the win? <laughs> well, Richie's injured now, isn't he? So, not him. Um... One of the Fagersons again. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I, yeah. You, uh, well, I we could Matt do with, was brilliant yesterday. Yeah, we could do with Fagerson. We could do with him at eight having a cancer going. Um, it, it it would be typical, wouldn't it, of us now to get a win, wouldn't it? Well, get I tell a win you what, Reece, I, t- I tell you what, they have got a very very bad record. Uh, in Cardiff, the you know the one Six Nations win against Wales was was in the that rescheduled game, wasn't it? Uh, that we played in front of an empty house in Clonmel. So uh, they've not actually won in Cardiff. I think two thousand and two was the last time they did that. Um, now obviously they were they were horrendous for large chunks of that, and they're a much better side now. But the question mark has always been doing it away from Murrayfield. 
Um, but I think they've got to fancy their chances next week. I think that that Russell and Hogg um, as, as two leaders in the back line has just really, you know, has really matured into something now. And they've got a really mean pack, and they've got so they've got um, they've got some strength in depth as well. You know, they've yeah. got they've got some really good um, some really good players. Like we were saying last week, I was bigging up that Ben Velikot. Didn't even get on the bloody bench, and mm. uh, and and Ben White comes on and um, mm. and, and scores a try. So, you know, they've they've got some they've got some good some good options, and I think they're they're looking a settled side. I I think Scotland get the win next week, but I don't I don't think they'll run away with it. I think it'll be one where they have to they have to kind of really pull on their class to get it. I think it might be Scotland by three. They look they coached well, aren't they? Though? They look like a side that's coached really well. Everyone's on the same, you know. Everyone's on the same page. Good, good defensively. Tough, tough side, tough side to break down. They've got a, and then they've got yeah the mercurial talents of Finn Russell. Uh, he's just, he's just incredible, isn't he? So they look like a, a different setup now. But we've said this before, haven't we? So we'll see. Uh, um, our selection obviously on Thursday is going to tell us yeah. everything. Um, yeah. And then based on the way they operate, Scotland at the breakdown. Uh, and the way we operated at the breakdown against Ireland, even if we greatly improve, which I think I don't, we, we can't really get much worse than last Saturday, uh, yesterday, should I say? Um, even if we improve, the the way they operated at the breakdown means we we won't be able to uh, um, maintain enough possession to win the game. But I think we'll do better than we did yesterday. So, um, so long as it so long as he doesn't persist with Josh Adams at thirteen. Um, I think we go better, but it, I just won't be enough because we haven't got the intensity on the breakdown myself. Fair enough. Well, and then, what, what about if we shifted? Down. What about if we? Um, so we we haven't, we haven't got the back row right then, do you think? Well, whoever picks in the back row, obviously we've said we'd like Ross Mariotti to come back, but that's not yeah. going to solve all our problems. It's going to improve. It's not going to solve all our problems. The breakdown, we're just not yeah. uh, intense enough. Uh, I don't think we commit enough men either. Mm. Um, with breakdown, so um, and the you know, uh, it just uh, if you didn't know the history of the two clubs, you know, of how well we play against them at home, and you just looked on the form of the two games that have been played so far, you'd have a massive bet on Scotland, <laughs> a massive bet, yeah, agreed. Yeah, you would, right? Let's have a quick look at the other fixtures before we call it a day. Uh, so England, Italy, I mean. Anything to suggest that uh, that there's going to be uh, that there's going to be an upset there? No, no, I can't see. I can't see anything but an England win there. Really, it's, it's ideal ideal fixture for England to steady the ship after yesterday. So, um, classic bounce back uh, bounce back game, isn't it? Hmm. Um, and then the big one, which is France Ireland on uh, on Saturday evening. Straight after, straight after the Wales game, um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm yeah, really wow. looking forward to that. <laughs> what a I mean, game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's potentially title decider, isn't it? You know, I, I, it's very hard to say that after week one. Um, it's like an unofficial world championship because they've both beaten New Zealand in the last few months. It's in yeah. Paris. Um, I'm I'm going for a France win here, as I nothing's going to change my plan of a France Grand Slam. I still think that's I still think that's on at the moment. Um, so I'm going. France, but I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. I think again, this is this is like a, a two, three point game for me. Yeah, I, I think France are going to win, um, just because they're not going to get uh, dominated with the breakdown, and they've got just as many weapons to use as Ireland have. Uh, 
mm. uh, possibly more. And um, home advantage will probably sway it their way, I think. Daniel? Yeah, tough one to call this, isn't it? I I think that... Um... I think that probably France will, will will just have a little bit too much at home. But close game. Close game. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Uh, I am, as you said there, Dan, I'm going to the game next week as well. I'm looking forward to uh um going to going to watch Wales live, which I haven't done since uh oh, for ages. So yeah. I mean, I because I, I think I think the Wales Scotland game in 2020 was the one I had tickets for that year and um Obviously, that that was postponed. So yeah, looking forward to um, to at least uh, yeah at least experiencing it, seeing what this uh, this watered down lager and closed bars for the second half brings. See if that changes the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, um, we'll report back. Expect expect an extensive uh, extensive report on that one next week. If nothing well, else. Well, there did be in in fairness, there'd be a lot of eyes on on the conduct of the crowd at that game because mm. of what happened in the um, autumn with kids getting vomited on and God knows what else yeah. is going on in the stand. So there'd be a lot of um, scrutiny on what happens next Saturday. The fact it's a quarter past two kickoff helps as well, I think. Mm. Um, you know, I think that should help from uh, from that perspective. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, a comprehensive report on that. Fellas, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thanks for... Uh, Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some great quality coffee and support a young Welsh business, then you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. That is it for this week. We'll be back next week to chat rugby with you. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.